Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this day. I mean that. Man, what a, a beautiful uh, time of worship, God. I, I pray that you, you found that pleasing. And I believe, based on your word that you did, um, that that's a beautiful sound to your ears. And Lord, I, it's crazy that when we worship you, we get ministered to, too. That's crazy. Um, because that's, that's where we're supposed to be, uh, close to you in relationship with you, recognizing you. Um, basking in your goodness and your glory. Uh, Lord, I pray for everyone in the room, the discouraged, the hurt, the broken, the angry, the far away, the close, the disciples and the lost. God, I pray for everyone in this room. Um, I pray, Father, that their hearts would be opened uh, to what you would do today. Uh, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would break down walls and restore and heal and teach and all the beautiful things that you do. Father, help me to preach your word and only your word and I wouldn't get in the way. Humbly, I ask that, God, and confidently um, because of what your son did for us and for me. We give you all the glory. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Well, hey, welcome to The Remnant. My name's Todd. I'm the pastor here. We just finished a series about living with purpose. If you didn't check that out and you're, you're struggling to find purpose in your life, whether you're a Christian or not, I encourage you to go back, listen to those, catch up with them, um, catch up on them, because I do think that they, uh, they can help you. Um, with that, last week... I ended with a challenge, right? Which is, anyone remember? Who you What? Follow for 30 days. Yeah. Follow who? <laughs> Could have been anyone. Yeah. Follow Jesus. Live like Jesus. Truly pursue your faith for just 30 days. Anyone doing that? Really? Awesome. Keep it up. The rest of you? You boo-hoo babies. Anyway, you should try it. <clears throat> but because of that, this is interesting. I actually had this message uh, probably a month and a half ago. True story. And I wanted to do it the week after I got it, and I felt like it wasn't the right time. And, uh, there's a, you know, I don't talk about it a lot, because in Christianity you kind of have two different spectrums, okay? So you have hyper-spirituality, which spiritualizes everything. And what I mean by that is kind of almost a mysticism, right? And then the other side is like, there is no hope. It is just law and judgment and the Holy Spirit doesn't move, you know, and, and those kinds of things. And, and uh, neither is true, right? The Holy Spirit moves through us, teaches us, but we, and we have the Word of God, which is our rock. Um, why do I say that? Because <clears throat> I fully believe that one of the things I've learned as, as a pastor the past several years is you kind of get a feel if I'm in the right place, right, and I'm doing what I'm supposed to do for where you guys are at, where I'm at, right? And <clears throat> I think we needed encouragement. I think we needed to uh, get built back up. <clears throat> and, yeah, that's why I didn't do it. And then today, I considered starting our next series, not today, this week, and then this sort of came to me, and uh, I think that it's important because I think it's going to feed into our next series. This place is chaos. That's a pen. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's going to feed into our next series. So I think it's important today. Now, there's just challenging parts to this that you need to face, right? Even if you're in the front row on your phone, you would need to face that. You know, Tangie? And if you did that, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> uh, you need to accept that in your own life, what that's like. Like, what, what, what's the effect it has on you? I want to give you Jesus' words for a second. Matthew 24 4 and 5. Matthew 24, 4 and 5. I'm reading from the ESV, and it says, And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. I'm going to read that again, because I already know what you did. You're already going, here we go. It's the warning. I've read these. Jesus says it all the time. I know. I get it. You've heard it before. But I'll say it again. And Jesus answered them, because they had asked him, Lord, how will we know when the time is coming, that it's getting close? And Jesus answered them first with this. He didn't say about all the mountains falling apart and all this, you know, prophecy stuff. He started here. He said, and Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. Astray means off the path, lost. And everybody's like, oh, well, that's, that, that makes sense, right? That there's going to, we all say it in Christianity all the time. Everybody's on, always oh, on the lookout for false prophets. <clears throat> Instead of looking out for false teachings. I want to give you, that, that, that verse should be sobering to you. 
We've been in the last times, the end times since Christ left, since he was raised and left. Did you know that? We are in the end times. We're waiting for him to return. He's going to return. Now, some of you in this room don't believe that, and it fits in perfectly with what I'm going to say today. I want to give you some statistics. I want you to think about Jesus saying that to you. He's saying to you today, people are going to come in my name, say they're me, and they're going to lead people astray. Now, the way that's worded, you might think that you don't want to go astray. Like they're going to lie and trick you. What if I told you that you want to go astray? What if I told you you want to follow these false Christs? Because they more closely align with what you want. Let me give you some statistics real quick. It won't be on the screen. You ever heard of the Barna Institute before? Yeah, it's this big institute. It's a Christian organization. It's really cool. And they do huge surveys of thousands of people, Christian, non-Christian, and very scientific, analytically-based surveys to give anonymous, to get people's thoughts. Listen to this. They have found that a large majority of self-identified Christian report many beliefs not in harmony with biblical teaching. Okay, so you go, well, what's biblical teaching, Todd? Here's some examples. 72% of people who call themselves Christians... Are, say that people are basically good. Some of you in this room think that. Now, why is that an issue? Well, Todd, isn't that a good... That, that, no, it's not, because if, if people are basically good, what need do they have of a Savior? You don't need Jesus. 66% say that having faith matters more than which faith you pursue. I know that's some of you. 66, let me change the words. It doesn't matter what you believe in as long as you believe in something, because all roads lead to God. The issue with that is, is that Jesus doesn't give us that option. 64%, are you hearing these numbers? 72, 66, 64, that's 7 out of 10, 6 out of 10, 6 out of 10. 64% say that all religious faiths are of equal value. All religious faiths are of equal value. Here's the thing, I know for a, statistically, if 64% believe that, the majority of you in this room believe that. Now, it can be subtle. 58% believe that if a person is good enough or does enough good things, they can earn their way into heaven. These are Christians. I'm a good person. She's a good person. He's a good person. 58%. Almost 6 out of 10 Christians. Now, this isn't too shocking. because I'm gonna, And 57%, and I know for a fact some of you do, because some of you are my friends and you believe in this. You just don't call it that, or you do sometimes. 57% believe in karma. 57% of Christians believe in karma. Has no biblical uh, standing or foundation at all. Now, if you're like me, you're smart enough to go listen. Because it's still pretty high percentage in America. I think it's 70-some, don't quote me on that, you can look up, that say they're Christian. We all know that's not true. We know 7 out of 10 people aren't real Christians, even if they claim to be that. So, okay, that makes sense, Todd. We're just kind of, we're kind of weeding out the Christians from the non, right? Well, they also did a survey of what they called integrated disciples. Am I losing you? Are you with me? Okay, good. Integrated disciples. And they call that a small subset of those that claiming to be Christian. And they define them as being people who are consistent in their beliefs and integrating those convictions into their behaviors. Long story short, they put their money where their mouth is. They actually live this out, right? So they're probably in church, they're serving in ministry, they give, um, they're in discipleship groups, they read the Bible, all that stuff, right? That's, that's the hope. So now we're getting to the meat, the real disciples. Listen to the, so here's some good news. There's some positivities. 99% of those people believe that God is the all-knowing, all-powerful, and just creator of the universe who still rules the universe today. Yes, good news. All right, 99% believe that the Bible is the accurate and reliable word of God. Also good news, right? It all falls apart without that. If you're in this room and you're like, I'm a Christian, but the Bible is written by men, you're not a Christian, right? I shouldn't say that. You may be a Christian, but you're not a mature one because it all falls apart without that because what you'll find is you begin to be the one to define which part is real and which part isn't. See what I mean? Stay with me. By the way, 90% of the time, you tend not to like the parts that, that challenge you. Okay, 96% claim that every moral choice either honors or dishonors God. That's so good, right? 9 out of 10. Everything you do, you're either following or you're not. That's all good news. Which, P.S., makes sense. The more 
the, a real disciple is going to look different than a fan, right? The people who follow Jesus closely, the 12, look different than the 3,000 who just came for bread. Get what I mean? You with me? Okay, I'm not done yet. However, even within these integrated disciples, that's their turn, there were some shocking beliefs. Listen to this. Of those people, 52% still argued that people are basically good. And some of you in this room already, I guarantee you, and I don't have time to go into original sin and all these things right at the moment, but that is a problem because the, the gospel falls apart. You have no need. Then Jesus just becomes a good moral teacher who leads you to what? Happiness, money, healthy, wealthy, bright smiles. But that's not the gospel. If people are all good, we don't need him and we didn't need him. Over half of these integrated disciples, or almost exactly half, believe that. 39%, that's still 4 out of 10, believe that the Holy Spirit's not a real living being, but it's merely a symbol of God's power, presence, or purity. A symbol. And if that's some of you in this room, I'm not saying this to shame you, but we're going to talk about it, right? It should open your eyes to say, wait, is that not right? Because some of you never knew that. Maybe you never knew that. But that's not true. And even 33%, one in third, one in three Christians, integrated disciples, believe in karma. They believe that what you do affects what you get, right? How I, does that make sense? And, and again, I don't have time to go through the, the beliefs of karma in depth, but it's a big deal. And it's not biblical. Well, Todd, well, yeah, good people. Karma, the concept of karma comes from a completely different religion. Barna himself, his name is George Barna, right at the head of this thing, he says, here's his quote. He says, there is a remarkable level. Listen to me, my friends. This is so important. I think it's interesting that this is coming right if we talked about living with purpose. There is a remarkable level of self-deception even among born-again Christians. It represents a huge educational challenge for those responsible for biblical development, biblical worldview development. Too often, people who want a certain reputation or image embrace the label Christian regardless of their spiritual life and intentions. Christian has become somewhat of a generic term rather than a name that reflects a deep commitment to passionately pursuing and being like Jesus Christ. He says, this isn't just one survey. There's decades of research should rouse us, quote, to urgency among evangelical Christian parents and pastors. Parents, you're, we're responsible for this. It starts with you. What do you teach? Or what don't you teach? Because in the absence of your words, someone's telling them. He goes on to say, it's the parent's job to raise up a child in the way he should be. He should go making sure they know the, the call of the Lord and they live accordingly. They may not know how to do some of those things. Therefore, it's the role of the local church to be equipping those parents. That's us, right? So I can already hear Clint saying this, maybe even Tim a little bit. I probably shouldn't do this. So a month, a month and a half, two months ago, I wrote this after because I had a really, right, I talked about being our first real attempt at being canceled, okay? <clears throat> because of something I said on Real Talk, which is our weekly podcast, in which I said that those who, um, that we don't have to choose between forgiving or hoping that a sinner who does a terrible thing, right, that we don't have to hope, uh, choose between hoping for his repentance and changing his life and having compassion and love for his victim. And that's hard for us to understand, Right? That God sees these things differently. It doesn't mean we shouldn't be angry. It doesn't mean we shouldn't be frustrated. It doesn't mean, you know, whether that's uh, this murderer, whatever else, that we should hope because God looks at that person every moment they take breath and, and his desire is for them to be transformed, made new, and saved. Why? Because John three sixteen and 17 tells us that, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that everyone who believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. For God does not desire that anyone should perish, Right? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that they might be safe through him. He doesn't want to condemn anyone. And, and yes or no, do you guys agree with that that's a biblical thing, that there is hope for that person? Okay. <clears throat> Pause the story. A few years ago on Real Talk Again, we had an atheist. Uh, some of you may remember this guy. 
He came, on the sh- he came on the show every week. We had a live show too. Came on, interacted with us. Very, very, like atheism was his religion. Okay, he was one of the actual atheists. <clears throat> um, intelligent guy. Uh, came on. We even had a friendly dialogue. I, I thought it, you know, I got some flack from Christians for allowing him to come on the show and not blocking him and things. And, and I said, listen, as long as he's here and open to having that dialogue, I love it. Well, eventually he got upset which we knew would happen because of our stance on a biblical matter. It's always came down to it. And then he got off and and got angry and blocked us and wrote, you know, some stuff on his Facebook, whatever. However, I want you to hear me. What he did was nowhere as bad as what the self-proclaimed Christians did when I said something that was actually biblical. The most flack I've ever gotten in my life as a pastor, listen, there are tons of things. If you've been here long enough, it's going to happen. I say many offensive things that are not biblical, okay? I mean that. I say things, I'm a flawed human, I'm trying to be better, my mouth is big, my voice is loud. Some of you nodded to that. Why that, right? So I know that sometimes, so listen, there's plenty of things to be mad at me about, but isn't it interesting that it's not those things that I've gotten the most hate from, that this church has gotten the most hate from, it is always the things that are biblically based, black and white. And here's the shocking thing. The most hate our church has gotten, the most literal gang tactic bullying, let's try to destroy them that we've gotten, has come not from the atheist who just disrespectfully disagreed, may have unliked us and unfollowed and wrote a little comment about his beliefs, but from the self-proclaimed Christians. That is mind-blowing to me. That my entire life as a Christian, my, this is not hyperbole, my entire life as a Christian, I have faced the most hate, the most persecution, the most um, hurt in my entire life. This is me personally. Has come from Christians, not non-Christians. That is unbelievable to me. And it's funny because, you know, as the years pass, it almost becomes normal. And then until I stop and think about, that's not normal. How does that happen? Well, there's a couple of options, right? Option one, they're not mature believers and they've been led astray, right? That's option two, I deserve it. Eh, when it's biblically based, even if I feel, get messed with and feel guilty, right? I don't have to because it's not me, it's the teaching, right? So that one's thrown out the window. Or what? They're not Christ's. They're not Christ's. Most often... The flack that I received has occurred when it tells someone, when the message, even as a church, sometimes it's not even what I preach. A lot of times I become the symbol of that, but it's things that we put out. It's, it could be anything. It's, it's our belief system, right? It becomes, it, it happens when we tell someone they have to change, they're held to a standard, or it says that what they want isn't the definition of truth. That's pretty wordy, I know. <clears throat> Listen. To set all this up, and Jesus told us that, we have created, culture has created, church culture even has created, let me, before I say that, Christianity is actually very simple, all right, on the surface. What I mean by that is, Jesus makes it easy for you. You don't have to overthink it. It's his way or it's not. That's it. There is no gray area. There is a very clear line drawn in the sand. It's his way or it's not his way. However, culture, and many of you in this room, you don't like that, so what we've done, I'm, maybe I offended you already. See, that's one of those moments. I shouldn't have said that. But I did, because it's the truth. Culture, they tell you that there's a third option. And the third option is that there's sort of an in-between. An in-between. That there's Jesus and the world, and then there's this kind of cool place you can sit in the middle. Here's the problem. It doesn't exist. The world and culture and even the church today, church, it's not his church, but cause, so that has created its own religion that calls itself Christianity. I call it the Christianity of the cool, the Christianity of the lukewarm, maybe even the woke church. What do I mean by that? I'm not talking about loving people. I'm not talking even about societal change or what you're standing for, defending the, the you know, <clears throat> beat down or the oppressed. I'm talking about the Christianity that rejects the hard parts like true forgiveness for a sinner, for someone who does something bad that God wants him saved, not stoned. That rejects the hard parts like true forgiveness for the parts that make you feel good about yourself. Now why? Beyond the fact, it's not this... Is this so 
heartbreaking. Yes, it frustrates me. You want to know why? There's no life in it. If you're not friends, say, hey, look, Lord, and he's going to go, I never knew you. Some of you in the room are watching, worshiping. Maybe you're not worshiping, but you're following a stick puppet with, that just says Jesus written on it. And ironically, guess who's carrying it? You. It tends, isn't it weird? Whenever you follow this Jesus, it tends to go wherever you want to go. That's why you come and go in your faith. When I'm feeling like I don't want to follow Jesus, I don't go to church anymore. When I feel like I, you know, I'm, life's going good, I don't need him anymore. That's because you're believing in karma. You only need a good dose of that holy juice, right, when things are bad. When they're good, hey, we don't need to follow them. Sounds a lot like people that just wanted bread. Jesus said, you followed me because I performed miracles. I gave you bread. There is no in-between. Listen to me, there is no in-between. Now, there's good news coming from this, but you have to hear this. I just, there is no in-between. And the problem is, it's not me preaching this to them on the camera, it's not me preaching this to the non-members, it's not me preaching it just to the members, it's not, it is, it is the Bible preaching to us. I have seen even devout, discipled Christians who are still, and they'll never admit it because they're stuck in their ways, rejecting biblical truth in areas that they're not comfortable with. And then wondering why life isn't what you want it to be. There is no in-between. But here's the thing, Jesus told us, the Bible told us, God told us through the apostles what was happening, and yet as it happens, we're doing exactly, like even with the warning, we're still falling, falling into the trap. 2 Timothy chapter 3, this is the apostle Paul talking to his mentee. This guy's not 15 or 16, probably in his 30s, Timothy. And he's telling him as he's leading a church, because the culture is affecting it, right? And there's not just the pagans, that's easy. If somebody's going to worship Zeus, it was probably pretty easy for him to go, I'm not going to do that, or Jupiter, I mean, right? I'm not going to do that. But when it comes to what happens when they come in preaching Christ, but it's changed. Listen to this. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. This is Paul saying this to Timothy. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self. That's what we're in right now, I believe. Lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. Hey, disobedient to the parents. Kids, you think, you think that if you can understand that, God's speaking to you. Are you disobedient to your parents? Ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. But that's not what we're supposed to do. Welcome everybody. Lovers of self. A lover of self doesn't want to be made uncomfortable. Listen, I don't want to be made uncomfortable. I don't like it. There are parts of the gospel that are difficult for me to swallow. But I have two options. I say that God's wrong or accept that I am. Which are you? All right, let's go to 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 4. Here's another warning a chapter later. He continues on. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom... Preach the word. What's the word? Yeah, the gospel, right? The Bible, yeah. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. What's reprove and rebuke? These are the we don't exhort, we're okay with. That just means call you out. Let's do this. People don't like rebuke. That rebuke is this hey, you're wrong. Stop. Already some of you are like, that's why you stop coming for a while, some of y'all folks, right? Or we, hey, I did it too, right? Or that, I think it's awesome that you come back, but we've got to catch that. And even members, right? What I mean by members, if you're new here, is just mean this is our home church. It's funny how we all ebb and flow based on where we're at. Because faith becomes about what we feel, which makes us what? A lover of self, right? Lovers of self, lovers of money. You don't like to give? See, I can say things. That's why if you've ever been here long enough, you always notice, why does Todd always say, I remember getting a question on Real Talk, if this is you, I love it, that's okay. And you said, Todd, all, you talk about the wives submitting to their husbands a lot. Why don't you talk about husbands loving their wives? There's plenty of sermons about that. Plenty of them. And I've preached them. It's interesting. I choose submission because it's the one that makes you most mad. 
It's the one that goes the most against culture. You talk about your money, you don't like that. When I tell you you got to give, your mind's already going, how dare him? Right? I give 9.9% out of what's left over of my Taco Bell fund money. Right? Lovers of self, I talk about money, right? I talk about relationships. I talk about marriage. I talk about that it's not always about making you happy. God loves you so much that he doesn't care about your happiness. Isn't that weird? Well, Todd, what are you saying? He wants you to be joyful because joyful isn't dependent on circumstances. Happiness is so fleeting, isn't it? It's not a bad thing, but it's fleeting. Joy is like happiness on steroids. That's what I think it is. And I'm searching for it. And it's a promise of God. So again, if we're struggling with it, it's not God, right? Okay, lovers of self. Proud, arrogant. Hmm, definition of that. Proud and arrogant people can't be told they're wrong. They know everything. Abusive. I don't believe what you say. Kill. I can't every, I would say, let me, I'm trying to make a percentage. Tell me if I'm wrong here. I would say eight out of ten people that leave this church, whether we send them out good or bad, if you do things the right way, we're going to celebrate as you leave, right? And what do I mean the right way? Like If you're, I'll get to that in a minute. Let's say Matthew 18, church discipline's one. It's in the Bible. You're sinning. You refuse to repent, right? You refuse to even admit it's wrong. And you're eventually, you get to a point where you can't be a part of this, this body anymore because you're saying, Jesus said, right, even if they don't listen to that, cast them out, right, as though they are a Gentile or tax collector. That means an unbeliever or a traitor. That's hard teaching. You don't like that, do you? See, I'm already, some of you are like, hmm. What if I told you that there comes a time when someone is kicked out of a church? Do you believe that or does that make you upset? It's in there. Hey, you don't believe me, I'm not even going to preach it. Pull the Bible open, open up to Matthew chapter 18 and read the entire thing. See what it says. I don't like it either. But the beauty is, is it takes so long to get there, right? And what he means at the end is if someone isn't going to listen to that point, they have proven they're so proud and arrogant, they probably don't even know Jesus. So they don't get to be among the body. You get what I mean? Proud, arrogant, abusive. Oh, yeah, 8 out of 10, I forgot. When they leave and they're upset, they burn this place on the way out. Todd's evil. Todd's a false prophet. This church is a cult. You know, you hear that stuff all the time. By the way, from every church. Dude, every church in the world is a cult. All you got to do, Google somebody you respect. John Piper, cult leader. John MacArthur, cult leader. Go, go. They're way not as offensive. That's not true. MacArthur's pretty offensive. But... They call those guys cult leader. Who's doing that? Real disciple? It's always starts with attacking the person, then it's the teaching. I'm all about attacking teachings, but I'm not going to attack a person. I'm not going to attack a pastor. I'm not. Now, P.S. There are pastors who are humans. I don't like them. Okay? But that doesn't mean I'm going to question whether or not they're called. But how will we know then, Todd? By their fruit, Jesus said. Right? By the message that they give. Okay, go on. Abusive. So those people that leave and try to burn us on the way out, what are they? They're showing themselves to be what they are. Disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. They don't appreciate anything. The music's too loud. It's too hot. It's too cold. The food's not good. He's too this. They're too that. Unholy, heartless, unappeasable. Boy, did I learn that. You know, when we got the, the canceled thing, we genuinely took the episode down. We invited this person who started it all onto the show, using our platform to have a discussion to teach us how to do it in a way that would have been right, according to them. Because I wanted to know, guess what? No, not without this, this, and this, these unrealistic things. Pretty much like, give me the keys to your house, let me walk in, do what I want, and then I'll come on your show. Well, that's not going to happen. What does that mean? That's unappeasable, right? Slanderous. Here we go again. Destroy everyone, say bad things, tear them apart. Disobedient, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous. On and on and on. Having the appearance of godliness to deny its power. I go to church. Everybody loves love. Everybody loves love. People don't love truth. Now, let's go to 2 Timothy 4, 1 to 4. Listen to this again. Oh, yeah, I got rebuke, reprove, rebuke, exhort. I forgot, with complete patience teaching. Number, verse 3, for the time is coming, this is the part I want us to focus on, when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears that they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. 
But you're like, well, I ain't reading Norse mythology. A myth is anything that's not true. What does that say? There's going to come a, you tell me this sounds right. There's going to come a time when people not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. They will gather, find, build up even teachers who teach them what they want to hear. Because then it emboldens them to live that way, right? Make sense? <clears throat> Stay with me. I want, to, I, want, I want you to see how serious Paul takes this and tell me whether or not, think about it. And I'm going to give you some more teachings in a minute that will, Todd, is it really happening? Well, let's think about it. He goes on to say in Galatians chapter 1, right, I believe, 6 through 9. Listen to this. This is Paul talking to the church in Galatia. I know I have a lot, but I want you to see it's everywhere. I am astonished. What a powerful word. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there's another one. I love that. There isn't another gospel, but you're turning to a made-up one. But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. What's distort mean? Change. Like a funhouse mirror. It kind of looks the same, but it's a little off. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. If an angel comes down and says to you, do whatever you want, Christ is pleased with you no matter what you do. That curse it. That doesn't mean cuss at it. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Here's something. What kind of gospel is your life preaching? Because I don't want to be preaching a gospel with my life that says I should be accursed. There's a difference between accepting God's truth and stumbling and changing God's truth to suit what you're good at and what you're not good at. Make sense? Should I just, hey, we can stop now. You with me? I can't tell if you're thinking or asleep. I know you're with me, Juju. What about the rest of you? You here? Okay. This happens all the time. It's not fun to be told you're wrong. It's not fun to have to face and repent to someone or to be approached by uh, other believer and say, hey, what you're doing is wrong. Do you think you should stop? That's hard. You know why a bunch of people, I have it all the time, and I'm not, please hear me, I have to say this every week, and I am a little tired of it, I'm sorry. I'm not preaching to an individual. When I say what I'm about to say, okay, if I look at you a lot, it either means, it usually means you're probably a friendly face. I'm not talking about any of you. I mean, I probably am, but not specifically, okay? So when I say this, I have to preface, because this happens every time I preach. It's very frustrating, Okay, I am not, once again, even Bethany, I'm looking at her front row. This is not just a Bethany, okay? If this irritates you, that is what's called the Holy Spirit prompting you to change, okay? That is not me. I'm not Charles Xavier. You like that nerd reference? I cannot read your mind and magically manipulate. I can't do it. <laughs> We'd be in trouble if I could, all right? <laughs> Listen. No, I lost my, my thoughts. Oh, yeah, okay. Members. So many times, and, and, and in a way, it's good. So we have a membership class. Membership is really like, they're like, that's not in the Bible. It is. It's just a way for us in our modern world to understand, like, the church in Corinth, when they got mad at Bob, their buddy on the meal team, they didn't just say, well, I'm leaving and going to Galatia. You know what I mean? They they didn't just leave and go to the other church. There was an understanding that they're committed to each other, living life out, that there's a promise, right, to live this life out and be a body together. Do you understand that? Go look at it. Even that teaching right there that you can just, hey, God's calling me to leave a church. God will never call you to leave a church without telling you to go somewhere else, ever. He won't do that. Unless it's false teachings and stuff, and he may, but even then, I believe he's going to lead you somewhere. He's not going to leave you wandering in the desert. How do I know that? That would be contrary to his word, right? When his word says, do not neglect to gather together, as is the habit of some, but gather even more so as the time approaches. Here's the thing. A lot of people don't want to ever become a member of our church or anywhere because they know that accountability comes with that. Because you don't want to be told that some of the things you're doing need to change. Now, some people, it's because they've been hurt. That's not who we're talking about. A lot of people don't want to be a member of a church because they love the bread, but they don't want the truth too much. Church is not just coming and hearing me preach. If so, you're really, really setting the bar low. 
Church is this living, breathing organism that lives together and shows the world Christ through our love for one another. Ask yourself that. Why can't you commit to a church? Oh, yeah, that's, that's my church. Unless it has to do with teachings or something. But again, is it really because the teachings aren't right or is it because they're not right for you? This is serious. So what do we do? What do we do with that? I want to read some more scripture here. I know there's a lot. But don't think about this. Galatians 4, 11 through 16. So same chapter. He gives us a problem throughout it all. I mean, the same book, I'm sorry. And then he tells us, we got this? No, X, that means no. All right, so I'm going to read it to you. <clears throat> he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. If this is not correct, just trust me, it's in there. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood and to measure the, of the fullness of Christ. <sighs> Notes. Here's the, here's the thing. So that when we no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the bot in the head. <clears throat> That's Ephesians, by the way. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint through which it is equipped, with each part is working properly, makes the body grow so it builds itself up in love. How do you avoid being tossed to and fro? How do you avoid that? How do you avoid it? It starts really simply. So it's saying, hey, you're going to be tempted to be thrown around like waves by different teachings. It's hard, right? There's people that sound really good on 90% of what they're saying. But even the 10% can throw us to and fro. So how do we do it? This is interesting. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ so that we no longer be children. Here we go. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together so that each part's working properly so that it grows and builds itself up in love. You want to avoid that? You have to stay together. You have to be within a body. Because we all, by nature, have a tendency to be tossed to and fro. I do it too, right? And then we can bounce things off each other. We need each other. God told us that. Who do you spend the most time with? Is it other Christians? Don't lie to yourself and say, oh, I'm ministering to them. You're not ministering to them when you're getting drunk with them on Saturday night. You're not ministering. Quit lying to yourself. What are you really doing? That's what you tell yourself when you wake up from your hangover, right? That you did it just to show them Christ. You're lying to yourself. And I'm not saying you should get rid of your friends. All I'm saying is, do you spend time with believers? Are you in a church? Do you get teaching? Do you get preaching? Do you get discipleship? That is the way right here that we can avoid this. A simple way. Second most important, 2 Timothy 3, 12 through 16. We got this one? Awesome. That was me because I said the wrong thing. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Woo, right there, I could just stop. Well, Todd, they're all people are mean to me. Well, yeah. When you follow the truth, they said it. They're going to persecute you. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Isn't it funny that so many times we call someone a, a false prophet or teacher if they have a moral failing, but we never call them that for false teaching? That's crazy to me. So-and-so uh, misappropriated church funds. So-and-so um, dresses, I don't know, bad and wears, I don't know, drives a fancy car, okay? But then we don't, we don't want to call anyone out for the fact that they're preaching a false gospel because that's mean, Eat all the while, they're trying to kill us, right? If not literally, certainly uh, socially. Going on, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continuing what you've learned and having firmly believed, knowing from who you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings. What do you think those are? You think it's Dr. Seuss? The Bible, yeah. Which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof. That means to change, to call out, for correction, 
to get us back on the right path and for training in righteousness. Listen, every believer, all of us, because of that nature that's still being changed, have a tendency to wander off the path. We have, we have to have the rock to remind us of what truth is so we stay on the path. Isn't it incredible? I'm, you're like, well, Todd, how do we know what a false teaching is? It's so, so easy. You just compare it to the Bible. If it's not in there, right? If it's twisted, if it's changed, if it's ignored, it's not the entirety of the Bible. It's not the whole gospel. That's why it's so important that, I get it, your Aunt Edna might be a good person, and you don't like the idea of Aunt Edna not knowing Jesus, so you're like, she's probably in heaven, you know, and she, that's not true. That's not true, and that's hard to swallow, and I'm not saying that to be cruel or mean. I'm saying it because it should drive us, yes, grieve, to let the world know the truth. All scriptures breathe out what God unprofitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God or woman may be complete, equipped for every good work. You cannot be complete, right, without the Bible. You cannot be complete without the Bible. And yet, the vast majority of Christians, I should have looked this up, are almost biblically illiterate. That means you don't know anything. That's how you can be led astray. If I tell you, thou shalt give me thy money, for I am the holy messenger of God, right? And you're all like, I'd never believe that. I bet you would if I get enough magic music going on up here and I'm dancing around, you're going to start throwing coins at me because it sounds good. That's real. Or how about I say, everyone dies because God is helly, oh, helly, <laughs> That kind of makes sense. Holy hellfire, blah, 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 right? And if you struggle with this sin, thou art cast into the pits of Hades. That sounds good, too, as long as you're not one of the ones being cast in. It's always fun to be the stoner instead of the stony, and I'm not talking about pot. Right? It's always fun to be the person with the stones getting ready to stone the adulteress until you realize that the point of the story is not that we get to be the ones standing and ready to stone No, 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 we are the ones about to be stoned, and it's Christ who stands in the way and says, I'll take it. Who are you to cast the first stone? There is only one holy one. It's funny, these kind of messages, I I could grow this church so fast if I just every week smiled, danced around, and told you guys you were awesome. Some of you all even said it. I've had people, why? It's tempting. It is literally tempting. This is so important. I'm going to give you a list. It only has three things. But before we even get to that, I want you to understand something. Why am I so passionate about that? Yes, one, it's because there's two reasons. One, it's because you, if you're not following Christ, have you, I have to ask, there's, this, there's a chance that the faith, the gospel you've put your faith in is dead. It has the appearance of godliness but denies its power. It does not transform. It does not save. And you are still in the condemned state you were. You have never been saved. Jesus gives a stern warning in the book of Matthew in which he says, many will come to me and say, didn't I prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, perform miracles in your name, and he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. Notice in that there's no denial of self, there's no crucifying your flesh, it's all about what I did to earn it. And that immediately changes the gospel and Jesus said, you don't get it, that wasn't good enough. Miracles without repentance are not good enough. Repentance means turning away from your way, looking to God. So one, there's the the fear that I have that some of you have placed your faith in a dead God, a lifeless God, a lifeless Christ, a caricature, a stick puppet, a cartoon, buddy Jesus, Then the other part is maybe you're saved. But because you, you believe these empty teachings, right? Because to be saved is to truly just have to give in your sins to Christ. So there are people that are saved and it'll say they're going to get in just by the skin of their teeth pretty much because of their faith. They never change or grow. So yeah, they believe, but they haven't grown. But here's the thing. How many people will you lead astray by the false gospel of your life? That churches are filled with thousands of people. And yet, seven out of ten believe you don't really need a savior because everybody's good. Who are we worshiping? You know what I think? I think we're worshiping ourselves. 
we like ourselves. We like being Christians. We like the fact that we're the good ones out of the earth, right? Because there's some people out there, the bad ones, that aren't on church on a Sunday. They're not in church on a Sunday, and we're better than them. Hallelujah. Are you tired? This isn't even in here. Are you, are you, you know, we talked about living with purpose. It's not in my notes today, but like, when are we going to stop? When are we going to look in the mirror and accept the fact that, friends, the majority of the world will not be saved. The Bible tells us that, that very few are going to truly see the Messiah for who he is and put their faith in him. And yes, we're going to preach the whole world. God doesn't want anyone condemned. Listen, that means, and, and Paul's warnings here, that people are led astray and, and all of these things. If he can't get you, he's going to get the people you affect by changing the way you live your life, by changing what you teach, what you preach. Every generation has one. They'll have a teaching. You know, the older generation, we've heard it before, it, you know, it's like the, the stereotype is, is that they preach truth with no love. They preach condemnation. They preach sin and Christ crucified, but they didn't preach hope and they didn't preach new life and they didn't preach freedom, right? And now we've got this generation that says we don't need all of that. They preach love, you know, with no truth. They preach life with no change. Both are wrong. There is freedom, there is hope, and there's joy, and there's peace, and all those beautiful things. You don't need to live in fear, and you don't even need to live in, live in fear if you somehow, sometimes your teachings go, your, your thoughts go wrong. Remember the Bible says you need it, or the word says you need the Bible for reproof, for correction. That's okay. The Christian life is a constant uh, journey of, you know, recorrecting the car on the road. It'll go a little too over to the right, hit the, uh, what are those called? Bumper, What? Rumble Street. <laughs> yeah. It's so it's a funniest thing. When I ask, everyone's like, when I don't, they're like, yeah. Yeah, rumble strips. Yeah. And so we come back to the to the middle. Every week I feel like I'm pleading to some of you to see the truth. To come back to the to the true God, to follow Christ. Because that is where life is. Well, Todd, every time I follow God, bad things happen. I hear this all the time. That isn't God. The enemy just knows all he's got to do is flick your earlobe and you're like, Jesus hates me, and you run off into sin again. Your faith is weak. That's why I said like children. You're tossed to and fro. We have to change. There is no in-between. There's saved and there's not, and there's following and there's not. That's it. There's disciple and there's not. Where are you on the continuum? Do you think, well, I'm, I'm, I'm religious, I'm good enough? Nope. Are you a Christian in name only? I like this part, but I'll throw away the bad parts. The bad parts are the parts you don't like. We have become a cowardly church that's afraid to preach the truth. And by the way, it's not the pastors. There are a lot of pastors. That, it's not me. You're a coward too. Every time you let the... The minority, I'm not talking racial or, you know, cultural. I'm talking about theological. When you let them speak for Christianity and you sit in silence at your job, at these people claim the name of Christ and preach something different, and you sit there and you let them tell them without saying a word. I'm not even saying fight, just saying that's not in the Bible. Anything. You're, you're contributing. You blame me all you want. But the church is made up of all of us, not just me. We all bear blame for where we are today. You know, here at this church, we talk all the time about being culture setters. We want to be people that maybe we can't change the world, but we're not going to be changed. And through that, we can change some. Through that, we can make change. But it starts with you. Are you going to leave today and continue to live in the in-between? Are you willing to truly follow him like we said? Can you even go a month Last week, all you raised your hand. This week, I said, who's been doing it? There might have been 20% of you raised your hand. In less than a week. How does that happen? We have to follow. I know it's hard. It's exhausting. But it's good, and it's life-giving. And there's joy on the other side. I have lived as a Christian, not in community, for years and years. And I thought I was happy. Now, is there... But I will start by saying, I have never experienced 
the type of fulfillment or faith as I have living in deep community with fellow believers. And if you would have told that guy that, he would have, called, he would have told you crazy. But the truth is, he just didn't want accountability, and he didn't want to be hurt. And so what he was really doing, and I believe God told me that one day on the way to Valparaiso, I remember this, going to visit a buddy in college, and I was raging against the church and Christians, and God said, well, you know, two things. One, um, you know that you're a part of that body. And two, you can't change something that you refuse to be a part of. We can complain all we want, but if we don't choose to live together in harmony and love and truth and let our lives preach a gospel that is filled with truth and love, that we change and we follow and we do things that are hard, that we reject the American way of um, complacency and comfort. We will experience, and I believe this, if we were to do that, we as Christians, we will experience true revival in this country, true, powerful, living church that changes lives and communities and saves people and gives hope. We will become the city on the hill, the light of the world that Christ has called us to be. But you know what we've done instead? We put a lampshade over us. Because it's safer. Yeah, we're, we're kind of bright, but not bright enough to attract attention. So how do we avoid the in-between? I only have three things. Number one, <clears throat> stay connected to the body. Stay connected. Not come in and out. Stay connected to the body. That's the church. Hey, there are a lot of good churches in the world. There are. There are a lot of good, beautiful places doing amazing things. Go, if this isn't the home for you, even if you're here today, that's okay. Go find one. Though I would tell you this and challenge you, if you don't like it here, is it because of the way I sound, the lights, the music, my shirt, my goofy face, uh, it's too hot, it's too cold, he's too grumpy, whatever else it is. Or is that the reason? Is that in the Bible? What about those of you that keep coming every week, but you don't really want to commit? I want you here. Hear me. I love you. And I'm only saying this because you're robbing yourself. Stay connected to the body, the church. Whether here or somewhere else, you need to find a home, a place where people know you, who can speak life into you and truth and hold you accountable. You have to find that. You will never be fully happy or content as a Christian if you're not living with the body. You just won't. Because you're not a part of the world. Number two, easy. Filter everything through the Bible. Filter everything through the Bible. Even what I say, if something sounds off, that's fine. Take it and read this Bible and figure it out. Because I don't want to preach something false. You hear me? That's terrifying. There's some scary verses about false teachers. I don't want to be that. But there's a difference, just so you know. Are you the type of Christian that goes to every sermon and you get joy from finding out what the pastor said wrong, I know, I know I'm preaching to some of you because I watch you. I just can't believe he said that. He said the instead of the. You know, you're the pastor's pastor, right? You like to come in and make sure you, you figure out what he did wrong. That is not a humble heart looking to hear the word and to learn. But you should absolutely filter everything through the Bible. If there's ever a time that I start telling you, right, to listen to me over the Bible, leave, run. That's everything. <clears throat> what about the things that are sins that you don't like? The things that right now, culturally, is not popular to say. Right? Adultery is a sin. We'd all agree with that, most of you. Drunkenness, you can get behind that. What about homosexuality? Because somehow you've been brainwashed to believe if we say that's a sin, by the way, it's in the same list. It doesn't mean they're any worse than, than me, right? Jesus says the standard of adultery is if you've ever looked with a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery, right? We're all hopeless, but here, you're not going to let me live in that, right? You're not going to let me live in drunkenness. Then why are you okay with letting someone live in that? Already I lost some of you. Here's the beauty, though. Go read it. Don't listen to what TikTok told you. There's a huge argument. I've heard, well, um, someone said they had never said homosexuality in the Bible. You have been lied to. You didn't even go read it. You just heard some TikTok star tell you what the Bible says and you believed it. Hmm, sounds like someone building up teachers for their itching ears. Just an example. It could be anything. How about the fact that you're to forgive your enemies? 
to offer your enemies a cup of cold water. That the sin that you hate the most, that you can't forgive, that God could one day call you to offer forgiveness to. Those are the ones that really get us. Number three, you have to be bold. We all get scared. I get scared. Guys, I just got nervous. Every, everybody's like, hey, Todd, how are you so bold? I just got to the point, it's like a Band-Aid, I just say stuff. If it's in the Bible, right? And it doesn't always, I just trust that at the end of the day, if, if, and it hurts, the guys can tell you, right? I got rocked a little bit when that, when that uh, cancel came for a bit. And part of it was because I felt like I brought bad attention to you guys, and I love you so much, truthfully. Because if it were just Todd, I already had a response written. And then other pastors and people, Todd, you probably shouldn't do that, right? <clears throat> if I wasn't a pastor, I'd be causing all kinds of ruckus. I'm just telling you right now, that's a fact. I would be causing all kinds of ruckus online, everywhere. <clears throat> I just would. Be bold. When you get scared, you're going to come to the middle in the in-between. But the in-between, it's not dark. But it's not light. It's not hot and it's not cold. It's lukewarm. And Jesus said, there will be no lukewarm with me because I'll spit you out. Be hot or be cold. That's it. Why is that? It's because the lukewarm who live in the in-between aren't really, don't really know him. They don't know the gospel. I don't say this to condemn you. I say it because there's only freedom and life and joy and peace and goodness. All of those beautiful things only exist in the resurrected Jesus. They only exist in the resurrected Christ. They only exist in the life-giving, life-transforming power of the true gospel that only comes when you accept that your way is not the right way, that through the death of what you want, the death of yourself, this is scary, right? I'm not talking about suicide, but it feels just the same. The death of yourself to live in him. To throw away what you know, to throw away what you, you believe, And to say, I don't have to understand it all the time. I don't have to like it. It's scary, but I believe you, God, over myself even. That's the truth of the gospel. And in that, the Bible gives us promises. Jesus said, I will give you promises. There will come trials and tribulations, but take heart for I've overcome the world. That's a promise. But that promise isn't for you if you don't know him that you'll be transformed, that there's peace, patience, love, goodness, self-control, that he will finish the good work he started in you, that he has plans for you, plans to prosper you, that he'll work all things out for the good of those who believe according to his purpose, that he has good for you. But you have to believe it and you have to follow even when the world tells you it's wrong because the world doesn't know what they're talking about. My heart did all of this. I think about this all the time. I wish I could tell you guys because I get emotional all the time. I'm about to do it right now. I don't like, and I shouldn't say, I don't really like being a pastor. And it's not because you guys. I like you a lot. You're great. It's because it just comes with so much hate, man. And I don't care, like the world you expect it from. It's crazy to me. But these Christians, and how do they have so much power? Because we let them. You'd rather be friends with someone preaching a false gospel than to stand up and say no. All I, the reason I did this, the reason I do this is just so you can be transformed by meeting the man, the God man who changed my life. I promise you that if you knew my story from beginning till now, you go, this is impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible. Makes no sense. It's impossible that even after saving me, when it makes no sense, I know him. I didn't grow up. How did I hear about him? It makes no sense that I get to do what I do and then I fail. And the world says, he's done with you. And God says, I'll show you that I'm not. It wasn't for my glory, it's for his. God wants to do that for you. But listen to me. If you're in this room and you've been chasing, and I'm gonna end here today, You're you're not getting an altar call today. You don't get the time to sit here and think about it. If you're in this room, okay, and you're the person that goes to and fro, you believe and you don't. Sometimes you like God, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you follow, sometimes you don't. You're in and out of church, you're in and out of sin, you're in and out of this, you're in and out of that. There's only a couple of options here. Option one, you've been led astray, you're living in the in-between. You may know Jesus, but you haven't fully let the whole, you've, you've been rejecting him and following other things, or here's the fact, you don't know him. 
Todd, I was raised in church. I know all the stories. I prophesied in your name. I cast out demons. I performed miracles. It doesn't matter. Because here's the thing. If you're miserable, it's not God that's not keeping his promises. We follow and we trust even when the road's dark. On my Facebook, when it's active, it's not right now because obvious reasons because I was too tempted to, to get a, make a ruckus. So I've been taking a little break. But on my banner, right, is a, is a quote by J.R. Tolkien that says, Faithless is he that says farewell when the road darkens. True faith enables to walk even when the road darkens because of the light of Christ. Are you in the room today and living in the in-between? Because it's miserable in the in-between. Are you too afraid to live in the light so you'd rather live in the safety of the gray? You remember the gray light? Is that you? You, me, or we don't get to determine what truth is or what the way is. Only God through Jesus Christ can tell us that. That's it. It's okay to wrestle with it. Wrestle with it within a body. Let's talk. Let's chop it up. Let's live this life together. Let's figure it out. Let's do what he said to do. Let's be radical. Let's show them. The most beautiful verse, it drives me nuts, man. You look at Acts. Everybody wants an Acts church, but they don't want to do Acts things. They gather together daily, and we have a problem getting some of y'all to come to church once a week. I'm not even talking, and church doesn't have to be in this building. Eat together, pray together, live together, talk it out, walk it out. Some of you, it's because you're afraid you've been hurt by the church. Me too. But I promise you this is, if the Lord lets me stay here, and even if there's people here, that this is a different kind of place. And if not, go find a place that you, but you have to get plugged in. You, me, or we do not get determined what the truth or the way is, only God. It's found in his church and in his word. It's not found on your own. It's not found in your own made-up church. It's not found in your own made-up word. It's not found in your own made-up Christ. The gospel is pretty simple. God said, made us all and made everything beautiful. And he said, guess what? I'm God and you're not. That's the only rule. I'll tell you what right and wrong is. And if you let me do that, you have a lot of freedom. And we said, nah. And because of that, we're miserable and lost and dark. And we've been separated from him by sin, by our choices. We're infected with a disease we can't fix. That's why we always go, hey, I do good things, but I have these bad things in me that you can't get rid of. And God showed us throughout time, oh, you think you can do it? We have a tendency to think, even in our attempts to be like, be good and be like him, there's an arrogance. So he's tried to show us, here's 10 commandments. Can you do the 10? We can't keep those. And so what he did was use that to set up the hopelessness of our situation. This is the part of the gospel you don't like. You are hopeless and helpless on your own. We are dead in our sin. The Bible says that all sin and fallen short of the glory of God. And it says the wages of sin are death, which means we're in a bad situation. So Jesus, God came down, invaded this earth. It happened. Jesus of Nazareth existed. He showed us how to live. He performed miracles to prove who he was. God made flesh. He died on the cross in our place so we can be restored to the creator. That the wrath that was to be poured on us was poured on him. Isn't that crazy? And he rose on the third day. And the Bible says if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you'll be saved. Friends, you can't just believe in him. You can't just say you know him. Right? You can't, you ha- has there been a change in your life? Has something changed inside? You can pray that prayer and mean it. Do it today. Find someone. Normally we have opportunity, but today's not that day. But it's your eternity. And if you pray that, then all the promises that God has made Right? In this divine transaction where he takes your sin and gives you his holiness, in that moment, your life's going to change for the better. It's not always easy, but it's good. Now, as we head into the rest of the summer and we go and we, you're going to see why this ties in. Because before we head into this, before we really start seeing you know, some cool things about Jesus and his church and all these things, you have to understand that what we're talking about is not the in-between. It's him. It's him. Kids at school, you are in a bad situation because even your teachers, even the the world is teaching you things that's contrary to God's word. And you need to talk to your parents about it. Don't just accept it. Come home. Come ask us, your church, the people, your friends, your youth leaders. Talk to them about it. Don't just accept what they tell you because they got a mister at the front of their name and have a book with words written in it. Don't listen to them. Okay? 
Anyway, whatever you do, guys, you can't live in the in-between. And if you choose to follow him, amazing things are going to happen. We can change this world because he already did. We just got to tell him about it. Got to tell them about him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for your goodness and your mercy. God, thank you for the truth that we don't have to wander aimlessly, but God, that we can come to you and know what right and wrong is, what the dark and light is. God, we just have to read your word and know it. Father, I pray for those in the room that don't know you. Father, I pray they would right now today, even without the music and the sound, that they would just hear it in heart, Lord, where they're doomed for, that they're doomed not for paradise. It doesn't matter if they think they're good, that God, without you, there is no heaven, there is no hope, but with you is is hope and goodness and eternity. Lord, I pray for those in the room that probably know you, but have been living in the in-between for a long time. I pray, Father, Holy Spirit, change them, bring them back, not because, you know, I get a cookie, Father, but because let them know you love them so much, you want them to be healthy and strong, and Lord, help your church, not just this church, your church with a capital C, Be the light of the world, the city on the hill you've called us to be. We give you glory and praise. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen.